Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Today we're going to be speaking on the subject of purpose without distraction. Purpose without distraction. As you're seated, let's pray. Father, we come before your presence. I give you all the honor and I give you the glory. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, because in your word... We find spiritual feeding. We find spiritual nourishment. We find, Lord, not only spiritual, but also practical uh, um, lessons that we can apply in our lives, that we can take, uh, not just on Sundays, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the rest of this week, Lord. We thank you because you, Lord, speak to our lives. And today, I know we'll be no different. I ask you that you open our hearts that you open our minds, speak into our lives. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand praise today. Yes. Have you ever started something that you're excited about and you don't finish it? Don't, don't elbow your neighbor, okay? Don't elbow your husband or your wife. Maybe, it was a, maybe you started school. Maybe it was a do-it-yourself project. Uh, maybe it was you're thinking of changing your careers and you got a new job. Maybe you started to clean out the closet. You made a mess and then you realize the mess you make and you just leave it to your spouse. I'm not going to say that's ever happened before. I just kind of, I was being very creative and thought of that, okay? <laughs> yeah. But we start things. And we don't finish them. Many years ago in our house uh, in Roy City, we, we, we had a, a fence put up. And I remember it was a beautiful looking fence. It was brand new. And we went out and bought these two big old buckets uh, of, of paint. And my job at that moment was to paint the fence. And what I began to do and paint the fence, I painted the fronts. Uh, all the front side, but I began to realize as I was painting it that this was a big job. It was a lot of fencing, and if you had ever been to our house, you know it was a big, big fence, and you had to paint it from the front and on the back, and you know, it's not my most uh, proud moment to to stand here and tell you that I never finished it. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you for confirming Ten years later, only the front has been painted. I would tell my wife, it looks good. You know, people are driving by. It looks nice. It looks really nice. But we begin things and we don't finish them. And my question to you and the question we got to ask ourselves is, what keeps us from finishing things in our lives, whether it's school, whether it's a project, whether it's something that is in your life that you looked at, you thought it was something good, you believed that it was going to be good after you were done, but for whatever reason, you were on, 
able to finish. And there can be a myriad of reasons why we don't finish things. It could be that we start with passion, but then the passion wanes and we have a lack of passion. It could be that we're not focused. It could be that there's not enough resources to finish. Others yet may say it's just laziness that sets in. It becomes too difficult. The job becomes too big for you. And I believe that all of these, most of these can be valid reasons, valid excuses for us not to finish certain things. But most times, generally speaking, the reason that we don't finish things in our lives, and many of these things that I just listed, the reason that we don't finish things in our lives is because distractions begin to creep in. And not only is this true in our, in our everyday life, but this is also true in our walk with God. We begin, we begin Bible reading plans. January is about to come, uh, January 1st, New Year's, and we're all going to resolve to do certain things. Some of us write them down. Some of us make a big deal. Some of us make these long Facebook posts, and we say, this year is going to be different. This year is going to be, oh my goodness, like never, never, ever before. And we begin Bible reading plans. We begin uh, goals to memorize more scripture, more prayer time. We begin to work on our marriage. We begin to invest in our children. We want to be more generous. We want to help others. We want to point others to Jesus. All these things are honorable. All these things are pure. But what happens is that most of the time these things are derailed by distractions in our lives. Distractions that do not allow us to finish a task keep us from reaching our purpose. See, God has put purpose in you and me. God has, has a destiny for us. The only thing that will keep us from reaching our destiny, the only thing that will keep us from reaching our purpose are distractions in life that keep the focus away from what's important and keeps our focus on things that are not important. And if we're to be game changers, and if we're truly going to change the world around us, we need to learn how to overcome distractions. See, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, he says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. With as few distractions as possible. And see, it's funny because I pulled that out of, the, out of chapter 7. But if you were to read the whole context of this, he's talking about those that are married and those that aren't married. And how he wishes that those that aren't married wouldn't get married because they have all the time to serve God. And he says, it's not that I'm saying this for, for, for your benefit or not. I'm saying this for your benefit and not to place restrictions. But it's better that if you are to serve God, not to have any distractions in your life. I was about to say, turn to your spouse and you're a distraction. No, 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 no. You're not a distraction. No. Strike that, okay? 
And he says, when you and I get married, when you and I get in relationships, when you and I get busy with life, there are distractions that creep in. But if we are to truly serve God with all our hearts, it's got to be, you got to be make sure that that relationship you're in, both of you are walking in sync. Both of you are walking together because it's already hard enough. It's hard enough. Distractions. And what's interesting about distractions is that as they're happening, sometimes we don't even realize they're happening. we, We have no idea that anything at all is happening and we just react. We react to certain things, right? You've all done this. We have phones and, and, and we get notifications and we get a ping, we get this, and we run to it, man. We run to it like we just want money. Guys, you guys aren't winning any money. You're being distracted. That's all it is. We get how many likes, how many people put a heart. Oh, he put a, a, a reaction of us, of laughing, and he put this and he put that, and somebody replied, and then we get depressed because no one likes it, because no one reacts to it. Or, or you get on YouTube and you start with noble purposes. You're researching something and then an hour later you realize you've been looking at cat videos for 20 minutes. I mean, someone told me that happened to them, okay? And, and you get distracted. The Word of God says in Proverbs, says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense, Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned the lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. See, there's a job that we have, church. There's a task. We've all been given something that we need to uh, purposefully chase. There's always a vineyard. There's always a garden to cultivate. And if we're not careful, if we're not paying attention, if we're not being intentional, if we're not focused, someone's going to walk past our garden and say, wow, look at those weeds. Where's the owner? That's a shame. Look at that family. Look at the dysfunction. Look at how far they are from God. And not that we're here to please others. Not that we're here to to let others think well of us. No, we're here to serve our families. We're here to serve the purpose that God has for our lives. But when we are distracted and we fold our hands and we close our eyes and we get sometimes at a point where we just don't want to work. The Bible says that poverty comes like a thief and steals our purpose. It comes like an armed man and brings scarcity to our lives. So the question becomes how? How can we eliminate distractions? How can we get rid of things that we shouldn't be Focusing on. See, Nehemiah, we just read in chapter 6, Nehemiah was focused on a very important project. He was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And these walls of Jerusalem are what kept Jerusalem safe. 
They're what kept the city safe. Now, Nehemiah is very interesting to note that Nehemiah wasn't a prophet. Nehemiah wasn't a priest. Nehemiah hadn't been ordained. He hadn't gone to Bible college. He hadn't gone to seminary. Nehemiah hadn't, didn't have all these special filled requirements because of his training or because of anything. Nehemiah was simply a man in the service of the king that saw a need. And he said, I can't just let that keep going. I can't let the walls of my city, I can't let the walls of my town, I can't let the walls of my family be in ruins. I need to do something. And we read in the first four verses, and we'll read it again, it'll be up on the screen this time. When word came to Shambhalat, Tobiah, Jeshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though... Up to that time, I had not set the doors and the gates. Sambala and Jeshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it? And go down to you. And four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. So here's point number one. First thing we need to understand. When distracted by good opportunities. Stand firm on godly priorities. See if you had read all the previous chapters. You would understand that there was opposition to the rebuilding of the wall. But Nehemiah says that he finally had rebuilt the wall and the only thing left to do was to set the doors. And as you and I know, because we have homes, our home would be useless if there was no front door. Right? Can you sleep well at night if you had no front door? Could you leave your home with all your valuables, with, with your children, with the things that you, you've worked hard to maintain, to obtain? Could you leave home without the front door set in its place? See, even though it looked like Nehemiah was done, even though it looked like the project was almost was finished, it wasn't quite finished, he still had to set the doors. And here they are, they're working hard, they're minding their own business. And here comes what is apparently, possibly a peace meeting. Because Sambalat and Tobiah had been attacking Nehemiah. And had been trying to stop the work. And now they're almost done. And Sambalat says, you know what, come. All right, come on. I give in. Let's meet. Let's meet together in oh no. Then Nehemiah says, oh no. This is not happening. I am involved. I am at work in a great project. 
Why should I come down from the wall? Why should I attend to this distraction? And many times in our lives, we let good opportunities, things that look like they're going to be good for us, and we, we, we don't do like Nehemiah says. We actually leave the wall that we're working on, and we go tend to these things. Many years ago, my wife and I, we were... Um, probably three or four years married, and I remember we, she was working and doing loan, loans. Uh, she was a loan officer, and she was working and learning this business, and one of her colleagues came up to her and, and said, hey, you know what? I have a business deal. We need somebody. We're going to flip a home, and I, I just kind of need somebody to, to sign all the paperwork, put their credit in, it, in there, and there be the signers, and if you do that, we're going to immediately turn around and flip it to this family that needs the home. And I will give you $5,000 for doing this. And we talked about it, and we said, you know what, this is such a good opportunity. This is great. We should do this, you know. I, I, I want, uh, we can do so much with these $5,000. At that time, we had been struggling a little bit financially, and we decided, yes, let's go for it. Let's go ahead and do this. We didn't consult with anybody. Later on, as we signed the paperwork, went to the closing, we're now the owners of, a, of a, a, a rental home that's about to get flipped. And the next thing you know, we did get the check for $5,000. Man, we lived good for about two weeks. <laughs> and the next thing we know, the guy that was going to flip the house disappeared from the face of the earth. And now we're stuck with a home that we can't afford to pay. We're stuck with a home that has tenants that have been living in this house for years and years. They're upset with us because we're not making the payments. They're paying this other guy and the guy's taking the money. Well, needless to say, a good opportunity went south pretty quickly. And for many years, seven years, we had to go bankrupt. I'm not bankrupt. We had to foreclose on that house. We couldn't do it. And for many years, seven years, it affected our, our lives, affected our credit. And, and see, good opportunities come, and they distract us. Believe me, that set a strain in our relationship. That set a strain later on on us wanting to buy a car, on us wanting to finance certain things that we were after. Church, understand, more often than not, the most dangerous distractions in our life will come in the form of something that looks good. A better paying job. A friendly relationship with someone. A new innocent friendship in the life of your child. This business opportunity that you just can't pass up. And the enemy is relentless. He's a deceiver and he makes sure and he makes sure to come after you in the areas that you're weakest and they look like they're good opportunities but you got to watch out church. Don't let distractions derail you from the purpose God has in your life. Make sure that you understand your priorities. Make sure that you understand what God is asking of you and of your family and anything that keeps you from pri the priorities in your life 
is a distraction. No matter how good it may look, no matter how attractive it may be, no matter how innocent you may think it is, when distracted by good opportunities, stand firm on godly priorities. And we keep reading in verse 5, it says, Then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter. Everyone say unsealed. unsealed. In which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Jeshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will be completed. It will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Second thing I want you to understand today is when distracted by gossip, resolve and resign to the Lord in prayer. Gossip, slander, rumors are such a harmful thing in our lives. And as children of God, we should not be spreading any type of gossip. We shouldn't be entertaining any type of rumors. We should be focused on only those things that edify us, that raise us up, that makes us better people. James chapter 3, verse 5 is not up here. It says, though likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. And we've all met those people, right? That they can be in all different sizes and shapes, but their tongue, oh my goodness. Their mouth is boastful, envious, talks too much. And what James says, says, consider the great forest fires don't start with this huge, huge fire that gets dumped on it. It starts with a small little spark. There have been young people in our schools, young people in our communities that have lost their lives over gossip. There have been entire churches that have been closed due to gossip. There have been families that have been destroyed because of rumors that are going around. And and Nehemiah is seeing this and he's working, he's minding his own business, he's doing what he has to do. And, and, And Sambalat sends an unsealed letter, and this is important because back then, when you sent an official letter, an official scribe, or you sent something that was only for, uh, for VIP eyes only, it was supposed to be sealed. That when it arrived to its destination, it, you could tell if it had been opened or not. Kind of like your 
your, your letters when you get them at home, your mail. Don't you kind of get worried when you get one and it's kind of been opened? You're like, hey, what, what, what's going on here? Sambalat sent an unsealed letter so that in the process of it getting to Nehemiah, people could read it. Oh, Nehemiah wants to be king, but he's nobody. He's just a lay person. Nehemiah wants to be ruler over us. That's why he's working and pushing so hard to finish the wall. Oh, the king is going to find out. The king, because you have to understand that Nehemiah was in the service of the king already. And the king not only gave Nehemiah his blessing to go home to rebuild the wall, the king also gave him resources to rebuild the wall. And now the king is going to hear that Nehemiah is actually rebuilding the wall using the resources of the king so that he can set up his own kingdom. Ooh, he's in trouble now. What's going to happen? Nehemiah denies the rumor immediately. He says, well, you know what? You are making things up in your head. What you're saying is not true. And, and you know what? Nehemiah may have been tempted to go back and forth and say, well, you know what, Sambalat? Your name is funny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he could have said, right? And he could have gone back and forth and sought a war of wars. A war of words and, and began to use Twitter and to use Instagram to, to, to start an anti-smear campaign. And you know, Nehemiah could have been distracted by the gossip that was being said about him and the work that was in his life. And many times, church, we have to be careful not to allow rumors and words to affect our lives. We are building a great work here in City Church. We are building a great work here in your families we are building a great work in our lives do not come down from that wall and come to the level of others stand firm in what you are doing if you are following God's will in your life if you're reading his word and, and you know that God is working in your life keep walking don't turn down don't look back don't engage. Don't engage rumors. Don't engage gossip. Gossip is a distraction that stops the work of God and is a roadblock to reaching your purpose. Gossip does not help you. Gossip does not help me. Gossip does not help your wife, your sons, your daughters. Rumors, if we're not careful, are like a wildfire. Protect yourself. And don't leave the wall. Keep building. Keep building. Keep building. God is on your side, church. God is on your side, he will not leave you, nor he will forsake you. You chase after God every day of your life. You seek him in prayer. You seek him in every moment that you can. And just like Nehemiah, he 
hears these things and he goes to God in prayer and says, God, strengthen my hand so that I can complete the task that is before me. Verse 10, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Methabel. Whoever wishes the Bible names would be a little easier, huh? <laughs> Who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors. Because men are coming to kill you by night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? He declares, I will not go. Verse 12, I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Then Nehemiah says a prayer. He says, remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. Number three. When distracted by fear of the future, obey the Lord in the present. We cannot let fear reign and control in our lives. In, li in life, we're always going to struggle with certain elements of the unknown and fear of the future. What if I never find the job that I'm seeking? What if I never find the right person? He's not exactly what I'm looking for, but what if nobody else comes along? I need to say no, but what if it costs me my bonus? What if I can't ever have a family? What if this church never grows? What if I fail? What if I can't take another step? What if, what if, what if, what if? And many times we live, our, we live our lives paralyzed in the what-ifs of this life. And on and on it goes. Church, fear is a form of focus. Where is your focus? You got to preach to yourself, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. There is nothing you can do to hurt me. Whatever God has set in motion, the devil cannot stop. Whatever God has preordained, the devil cannot, cannot stop. Fear. It's a form of focus. And it's a distraction in our lives that prevents us from reaching the true potential in our lives. We get so focused on what might be. It might happen. What if I lose out? 
What if, what if it doesn't go right? What if people make fun of me? What if it doesn't, what if I get up there and I forget my lines? What if I forget the song? What if I start stuttering throughout the whole message? What if, what if we lose sight of what truly could be and what should be? If we start to let those fears in, we, we come down from the wall to protect ourselves. I can't continue working on this, Pastor. No, 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 no. This is as far as I can go. You want me to do what? You want me to do a Bible study in my home? You want me to, to you want me to, to 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 come and do this and do that? Or you want me to testify to my neighbors? You want me to tell my coworker about Jesus? I can't do that. You want me to work on my marriage? You don't understand my marriage is already so bad. She won't understand. He won't want to. What if, what if, but what if you do it? And what if things do turn around? God would have you obey him in the present. God wants you to obey his word. He wants you to stay on that wall. God has work for you. God has work for me. I, am, I have a great project that I'm working on. And the first project that God gave me above all things is my family. And believe me, as with the church and, and juggling different uh, responsibilities, it's easy to get distracted with, uh, and lose sight of what truly is important, the first ministry that God gave me. And that's why when you're working in ministry, when you're working at the, at the church, when you're involved, you got to make sure that you and your partner are walking in sync because when one of you gets out of sync, the other one says, hey, you got to bring it back. You're going too far ahead. You're falling behind. We need to walk together in this. And whether it's that or whether it's raising your children, you have to walk together. And you have to continue building that wall in your home, in your children, and that you're both on the same page. You're walking together and you know that when one gets out of sync, hey, I need your help at home. You can't be getting that overtime all the time. I need you more than I need that money. Obey God in the present. Stay working on that wall. Our lives, your life, can change the life of those around you. But if you continue to allow distractions to dictate your life, if you continue to allow distractions to, to move you out of the will of God, we're never going to become the game changers that God has called us to be. And when I preach, when I stand before you, I understand that I'm not just preaching to the people that are in this room. I know that there are generations behind you that are coming up. And I know that my message and the message of this church is going to build up that generation. And I cannot allow distractions to stop me from doing the work that God has put before me. And you have to understand that in your family, it's not your children that you see. 
There's grandchildren. There's great-grandchildren that you may never see. But the legacy that you leave behind, that wall that you've been building that will be continued to be built by your children and your children's children, you got to make sure there's a good foundation that's been set. Be a game changer in your family, in the work, the great project before you. I'm going to ask you to stand. God has given you a spouse that is capable of great things. God is giving you children full of potential. And although they may be troublesome at times, they have great potential. They have great oper- there are great things within them that God has set them and you cannot afford to get distracted. God has planted you in a church and though we may not see it at this moment, this church has the opportunity and the potential to have a great reach and influence in the city. God has given you resources and blessings, but if you keep planting those resources in the wrong place, you will never give fruit to the things God wants you to give fruit. We have to eliminate distractions. Look at our godly priorities. Look at the great project that God has set before us. And I think it's awesome. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15, it says... So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. And verse 16 says that when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. Church, you need God in your life. You need God to be involved in this great project that you have at home. You need God to be involved in this great project that we have here at the church. We need to invite God into our lives. We need to raise our hands while we're up on that wall, while we're working, while we're setting foundations, while we're laying brick by brick. We need to invite God's spirit in every moment, in every time, in every second, in every minute, every hour, every day. Then we will see God become the God of this city. Then we will see God become the God of our families. Then we will see God become the God of all of our future generations in Jesus' name. But you have to set your focus on Jesus. Eliminate distractions. Some of us have been dealing with different distractions in our lives. It can be as simple as technology. It can be as simple as social media. Or it can be as great or as big as financial problems, as marital problems, as different issues that rise up in the family. But I invite you today, let's come to this altar. Let's come before God. Let's make a resolution today that we will not allow distractions to continue to bring down the work that God has set before us. That we will continue looking to Him. We will continue seeking Him. And we will continue chasing after Him. That He will direct our path. That He will.
will set the direction in our lives. Lord Jesus, we ask you for forgiveness. But we have let fear, we have let distractions come into our lives that keep us from you. Today we repent from our sin. And we ask you, God, that you will set us and help us firm in your word. That we can look to you. That we can understand what your priorities would be for our lives. That we can set our priorities on you. In Jesus.